for Pete's sake. I'm Kat. And I'm Liz, and we're Chatting Catholic. We're self-study theologians of the domestic church. And we love reading what the Bishop of Rome has to say for himself. Welcome back to uh, For Pete's Sake. We are discussing Fratelli Tutti, finishing up chapter one today. This is my favorite way to read and study something, whether it's Bible studies or reading yes. about church yep. fathers or encyclicals is doing it together because it, it there is a lot of information there and it's really heavy. It hits people differently. differently. And so it's nice to hear that community of like, oh, this reminds me of this story or this experience I had. I'm like, that's what I want. I want it to not just be a text, but then that text turns into real life and community and people and sharing. And And you get to hear like y'all are going to get to hear me and kind of my interpretation when I read it out loud. But this is my first time hearing what Kat's interpretation of it is. (laughs) And get on Facebook or message us on Instagram and tell us what your interpretation is. We love to hear from y'all. We also have uh, for Pete's sake 266 at Gmail. 266 is because that's how many popes we have. Yeah, definitely get a hold of us. This was never intended to be just a listen to us talk and then that's the end of it. Like we are all about furthering communication and hearing it and yes feel free to disagree with us wildly or agree with us wildly we're okay with both i was like "Mm, hold on liz i know i know i am an armchair theologian i read too much (laughs) how beautiful is it that we are in a place in the church and with the new evangelization that laity are now getting super involved in theology and evangelization and a housewife can be just as effective in the grocery store as as someone who has devoted their whole life to it because in trueness we are also in the same vocation whether whether in the home or in a monastery like we are all in it together yes i want to be saints but it's so cool that now it used to be you had to live in some ivory tower somewhere to read the church fathers and every encyclical and you know all of the catechisms from anywhere like you had maybe you had your own catechism maybe it was the baltimore maybe it was trent but you didn't have all of them and Mm -hmm. now i just pull them up on the internet and bam there it is i can read it i can cross-reference it's fantastic yeah i really loved um reading through the way and just different resources that we got from um, St. Jose Maria Escriva, um, the yes. founder of Opus Dei. And just that whole, it never hit me like that. Like you said, Ivory Tower. I was always like, I don't need to read those things because yep. I don't really need to get that deep into it because I am just a homeschool housewife. No need to go any further. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, man, enacting our laity, that's how you light the world on fire. Um, because the laity have a very special vocation. Priests, you know, you see the collar or the whatever they're wearing that indicates that they're a priest. And people either walk up to them more open or less open, depending on where they are. But yes. a priest doesn't surprise you. As a, la- as a layperson, you can find yourself in a position where somebody's like, wait, 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 hold up, you're Catholic? Actually, we were at the gym one time and I was walking in the gym and my daughter was probably four or five years old and she held the door for someone and the lady said, wow, thank you. You are so strong. And Brianna goes, Jesus made me strong. And the lady goes, oh, you guys must go to that non-denominational church. And I was like, no, actually, we go to St. Peter's. <laughs> yeah. And But it's really sad because it's that openness they assume 
is not Catholic. So they're yes. always very surprised when they actually meet devout Catholics. They're like, oh, it's not what I expected. Or even just devout Catholics who talk about Jesus as opposed to saints preserve us. And I mean, I do say saints preserve <laughs> yes. us all of the time. Yes. But I am also, I, I love Jesus. Yes. But I mean, like you and I are both reverts. So we definitely know that feeling of like being outside the church, trying to look in the other way and being like, they're just not, they just don't get it. They're just not as close. They don't have that personal relationship with Jesus. And I love it. I think it was probably Dr. Scott Hahn because I know back in the early days of me reverting, that's probably who I was listening to at that time. But the first time I ever heard statement of like, when they, when they get asked, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? though and they say I consume his body into my body I don't think it gets any more personal than that I was like yes that's what I needed that's what changed my mindset I was like absolutely like stop asking me if I'm personally connected to Jesus yeah in every which way (laughs) like do you have Jesus in your heart yes and also my stomach sometimes (laughs) all right Liz take it away forms of subjection and self-contempt Certain economically prosperous countries tend to be proposed as cultural models for less developed countries. Instead, each of those countries should be helped to grow in its own distinct way and to develop its capacity for innovation while respecting the values of its proper culture. A shallow and pathetic desire to imitate others leads to copying and consuming in place of creating and fosters low national self-esteem. In the affluent sectors of many poor countries, and at times in those who have recently emerged from poverty, there is a resistance to native ways of thinking and acting, and a tendency to look down on one's own cultural identity as if it were the sole cause of every ill. Destroying self-esteem is an easy way to dominate others. Behind these trends that tend to level our world, there flourish powerful interests that take advantage of such low self-esteem, while attempting through the media and networks to create a new culture in the service of the elite. This plays into the opportunism of financial speculators and raiders, and the poor always end up the losers. Then, too, ignoring the culture of their people hasn't led to the inability of many political leaders to devise an effective development plan that could be freely accepted and sustained over time. We forget that there is no worse form of alienation than to feel uprooted, belonging to no one. A land will be fruitful, and its people bear fruit and give birth to the future only to the extent that it can foster a sense of belonging among its members, create bonds of integration between generations and different communities, and avoid all that makes us insensitive to others and leads to further alienation. Despite these dark clouds, which may not be ignored, I would like in the following pages to take up and discuss many new paths of hope. For God continues to sow abundant seeds of goodness in our human family. The recent pandemic enabled us to recognize and appreciate once more all those around us who, in the midst of fear, responded by putting their lives on the line. We began to realize that our lives are interwoven with and sustained by ordinary people valiantly shaping the decisive events of our shared history. Doctors, nurses, pharmacists, storekeepers and supermarket workers, cleaning personnel, caretakers, transport workers, men and women working to provide essential services and public safety— Volunteers, priests, and religious, they understood that no one is saved alone. I invite everyone to renewed hope, for hope speaks to us of something deeply rooted in every human heart, independently of our circumstances and historical conditioning. Hope speaks to us of a thirst, an aspiration, 
a longing for a life of fulfillment, a desire to achieve great things, things that fill our heart and lift our spirit to lofty realities like truth, goodness, and beauty, justice, and love. Hope is bold. It can look beyond personal convenience, the petty securities and compensations which limit our horizon, and it can open us up to grand ideals that make life more beautiful and worthwhile. Let us continue, then, to advance along the paths of hope. Oh, this is um, a tough one. I got really, I got really emotional on this one. Like, chapter fifty-one, um, it really spoke to me regarding economically prosperous countries tend to be proposed as cultural models for less developed countries. It made me think of formula versus breastfeeding in third world nations, which is always an argument, and people are always like, um, "Yes, well, they deserve formula. No, they deserve their own solutions." because they may know something you don't like the water is bad or you know right um and diapers is also another thing like nobody had plastic paper diapers you know 80 years ago that was not real and now we are pushing this solution to a problem it's a problem yes what babies do is important and it matters, but there are so many solutions and we're constantly going in places pushing our solutions, like ours are the only solutions there are, when other cultures have different methods and maybe we should look at their methods and see what would modernizing their method look like. Absolutely. Um, Not starting it, from our starting point, but starting yes. from where they're at. What do they like, have? Vietnamese people um, average like nine months potty trained. They have a very special method that they use where they whistle every time they notice their baby's peeing. And then eventually they start whistling, like they hold the baby over the toilet and they whistle and the baby's like, oh, I guess this is the pee times. What would a v Vietnamese mother want? Like if she could have anything in the world, does, is what she really wants a diaper? She's already got a baby, a nine month old baby that goes potty on the toilet. What does she want? And this goes not just for baby. Babies is obviously what I care about because my children are little. But this goes for so many cultural problems where we just bring in our solutions. Oh, shoot. There was a book by Barbara Kingsolver where a pastor went to Africa and he tried to bring their gardening techniques. Poisonwood Bible. Um, he tried to bring their gardening techniques Ooh. and they failed utterly. And he's calling everybody horrible names and they're barbarians and it's terrible. And the whole time they're just like, dude, we know how to garden and you're doing it wrong. 52, destroying self-esteem is an easy way to dominate others. Behind these trends that tend to level our world, there flourish powerful interests that take advantage of such low self-esteem while attempting through the media and networks to create a new culture in the service of the elite. Oh, destroying self-esteem is an easy way to dominate others. Just don't let them in. You don't have to be everyone's cup of tea. They don't have to be your cup of tea. Sometimes it's a compliment when someone dislikes you. If a person unfollows me, but they are not living in the truth of Christ, I take that as a compliment. There is something in them that they don't want to hear it. And that needs to be okay. Take this. Uh, I, I only have a bachelor's in psychology, but there is nothing you can do to beat Madison Avenue. They're trying really hard and they have billions yes. and billions and trillions of dollars on convincing you that you are not enough and that their product will fix you. Trillions of dollars in this subject yeah so just don't watch ads at my house we it's one of the first things we teach our babies is if you are you know whatever you're doing when the ads come on if you're watching like a movie with grandma leave the room 
if you know you're playing an app yes with dad, we don't watch commercials either when if you're playing an app with dad and commercials pop on you put the ipad face down and you just don't watch ads because their sole and exclusive job is to convince you that they, you are not enough as you are. And you are enough as you are. You are made in the image of God. You are everything he meant you to be. Yes. And it's it's so extremely hard. I have a 12-year-old daughter, so the preteen daughter, I mean, I don't want her to see any of those because how yes. easy it is for her to see things on TV or anywhere mm-hmm. and just um, that emptiness, that feeling of needing to be more is so strong for young ladies. And yes. you just have to be so mindful of that, parents. I mean, I don't want to get too preachy at all the parents, but I mean, just be really mindful that even commercials really affect them. Yes. Yes, it, absolutely. Commercials and even sometimes the shows. If, you know, these women are fully made up and they look beautiful. One of the things that really bothered me about, um, my mom didn't let me watch television until I was fairly old. And so when I first started watching TV, one of the things that bothered me was all of my friends were like, oh, they're just normal. And I'm like, no, I look at their outfits. Yes. And I'm telling you, those people make more money than God. <laughs> and they're like, no, they're not rich. <laughs> See, they only get pizza twice a week. And I'm like, more money than God. <laughs> this comes back to that. It actually it goes right back to the beginning. Uh, people on the internet aren't quote unquote real. Like there's a real person behind that computer, but they're not presenting themselves authentically. Neither obviously is television. And that seems like you're saying, well, obviously, Liz, the sky is up. But your teenage brain, your brain, nobody's brain can actually distinguish this so you can know you can even say to yourself that's not real but the thing is your brain lodges that picture somewhere and visual input Mm -hmm. is hard for your brain to ignore so you need to be looking most of the women you see need to be makeup free most of the women you see need to not have their hair brushed you know five minutes ago with pomade or whatever i don't do my hair um you know how many nuns does your child I don't do my hair okay. I have sensory issues. I don't like the way it feels. Okay, sorry. No, it's fine. I had a moment. I love how we can be different, but yet the same. And I can, yes. we can laugh at each other. Yeah, it's no, it's good. It's good. I know I'm an odd bird. And I like that you're oh, also. That's an why odd I bird. love you. We're both odd in our own ways. Oh, make sure that your kid, that you, are most of the women that you see are au naturel. Um, mm-hmm. Most of the people that you see are real. And especially if you are a late teenager. I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. I'm totally praying for you. I'm thrilled you're here. Um, but if you are, you know, make sure that there's a couple of 12 to 14 year old girls in your friend list because they need to, they need you. They need you. Yes. And if, if you're a college girl, same thing. Always make sure you've got a couple of girls, maybe five, maybe ten years younger, one phase back. And just let them see your authentic, messy, gross self because they need to know that it's normal. They're seeing Pinterest and they're seeing Instagram and heaven forbid they're seeing mm-hmm. TikTok. And they don't know what real looks like. So show them. Right. Be willing to be real. I love it. 
I love it because my daughter, she is, her and I, I would say the both. Like, we're not fashionistas by any mean, but we like a certain look. We like to present ourselves a certain way, but it's not, it's not overdone. And it's also not like sloppy, messy. Like we just want to be comfortable and be feminine and just, I don't really wear makeup on a day-to-day basis, but if it's a Sunday or if we're doing something special, but I love that her group of friends, even a few years older than her, like in her homeschool group, they're very much all like that. And I thank God every single day because I'm just like to have her surrounded by beautiful friends that just they can they can be into fashion and style, but it's done in a very like cute, modest way. Mm -hmm. It's it's just nice to see from the from the young ones who are still like very much Catholic and very they have a I don't know, they have a much better balance of the world than I did in high school. So I'm just like kudos to you girls. I love you all. Um, we forget that there is no worse form of alienation. This is in paragraph f- uh, 53. No worse form of alienation than to feel uprooted belonging to no one. Um, this mm. made me think of, there is a blog, heritagemom.com, and she's a black homeschooling mom <laughs> who does book lists for people. And one of the things that she noticed for her girl as she was doing, she had these book lists, she wanted them to read all the classics, a lot of things that homeschoolers want, but she noticed her little girl was, like, wilting, and then she went out of her way to make sure she had an all-black homeschool group, so that her, and started including more books that had uh, black faces and black voices, and she just watched her little girl flower because her kid needed to know that there were other black homeschooled girls just like her so that she could be herself. And so when you are like the thing that to really I think to take away from that is it's OK to have a culture because culture lets you know that you can let your hair down and you can. So it's why representation matters. It's why you should have maybe not all your friends, definitely not all your friends, but you should have a couple friends that just make you feel like here they understand all my freaks. Yes. And yeah, I say that too. Of, it might take a couple of friends to get all your freaks in, but it's you. It's okay to want that. You should have a. It's like a balanced diet, and the friend who looks and acts and is just like you is kind of like the mashed potatoes. You gotta have all of the things, but it's okay to have this one person that's just like, oh, oh I feel better. It's actually best if this person is your spouse if you're married. Um, yes. But you know. <laughs> but then you also have. You need a best friend who understands girl stuff too so it's yeah yes it's good to just have people with whom you can just be like this is my culture and it's okay that this is my culture and there are other people out there that I'm friends with and that I love deeply that aren't that but it's okay to have culture it is it just is yes I I do love like speaking to my daughter um because like I've mentioned before like I'm Filipino my husband is as white as can be red hair and like so he's are all her children so white and I don't know what kind of freak genetics happen, but all of my children look like their dad. I have redheads. I have blondes. I'm not even the mom. People ask me, like, if I'm the babysitter, the nanny, whatever. Like, they're like, these can't be your kids. They look nothing like you. But I love when I was talking to my daughter about this. She is very much mixed. 
Like, I think, I think race really wasn't even in my kids as like mindset growing up, but, but Catholic was. So they don't see a difference in skin tone and things like that, because obviously they look at their dad and I, when my daughter was little, she literally thought any color person could have any colored kid. It's just like, like, that's the way she thought it happened. I'm like, sure, that's close enough. That's all you need to know. But, um, I will say her and I were talking about that and, and almost like the way we're talking about culture, she was talking about her Catholic friends and she was just like, I really love, um, being around friends at my school and I love, um, you know, all sorts of different girls. She can be friends with anyone. She's a very friendly person, but she's like, there's just something about being with my church friends that just is, um, more exciting and just feels easier. I'm like, yeah, that's okay. That's okay to have a bunch of friends, but still have that one group that you're like, but this is where um, my council is is and my friends. And it's this is where my home is, is this group right here. Thanks for joining us this week on For Pete's Sake, as we explore the words of Pope Francis in Fratelli Tutti. Find For Pete's Sake on Facebook and Instagram. You can find links to Fratelli Tutti and some of our sources in the show notes. See you next week. St. Peter. Ora Ora pro nobis. nobis.